Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. It's so interesting as a spouse to watch the Holy Spirit come upon your husband. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm very thankful to watch Zach and our daughter, to watch our family just be touched by heaven. You know, when, when he talks about, and I will promise I'll get to my message in a little bit. But when he talks about that day when he was filled with joy, you know, he did disrupt the service. It was awesome. He, you know, and for Zach, especially new to New Orleans, he's only there a couple months. He'd probably only been friends with us for about two months, maybe. And then, you know, he's hooping, hollering, and laughing, and rolling on the floor back and forth. But the awesome thing for me that day, because you see, when we met, I did not flirt with him. <laughs> but when we met, we both kind of knew, you know. And, um, but he wasn't dateable at that point. You see, he grew up in church. He knew the Lord. He was a preacher. God had used him. But I, the Lord had also revealed to me that, he, that there was things within him that needed a shift for us to align in the things of the Spirit. And so that day when he began rolling on that floor, disrupting that service, I shouted inside, Hallelujah! He's dateable! Hallelujah! And not because of the manifestation, but because I knew what was happening on the inside. Because you see, for me, I had already lived the life. I had already been in church that was controlling. And I had already experienced all of I mean, I had experienced revival. I had experienced the outpouring. I would learned to live a life beyond anything I could control. And I knew that that would be the life I'd always live. And that if we were to walk hand in hand... We both have to live it. We both have to be willing to just be transformed over and over and over again so I can take confidence when life comes because I watch him transform. You see, this isn't an act up here. It's not an act. I get to see my husband on good days. I get to see him on bad days. I get to see him through the trials of life, and I get to watch him through the struggles take it to the Father. Take it to the one that can change things. Not the circumstances, but change him from within. Give him what he needs to face the day. Give him what he needs to overcome the situation. So when he gets up here and he preaches to us, y'all, he's preaching to himself. He's living it. It's the biggest blessing to watch someone you love and you know intimately be transformed right in front of your eyes. So look out, Akron. After this morning, something good's coming. Amen? Amen. So let's turn our Bibles to Mark 4. I'm excited. I think I have an encur- I know I have an encouraging word for you today. We're going to be in Mark 4:35. Jesus had just been finished preaching all day long. Anybody ever taught all day long or even been to a conference? Have you ever been to a conference at work or a conference somewhere and it's all day teaching? I think Jesus might have been a little bit tired. I think the disciples might have been a little bit ready to go. 
He says that, that he had teached and preached to the multitudes. And then to his inner circle, he began to explain the parables. And then he'd teach and preach to the multiples again, multitudes again. And then he began to break it down for his disciples. So it was nonstop teaching for Jesus. So at the end of that day, in verse 35, it says, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Has Jesus been speaking that to you? Has he been saying, come on, it's time to go to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. You ever seen someone at the end of a day teaching and preaching? I think of Alicia seeing me walk in after Night of Hope the other night. She texts me the next day. She said, are you okay? I looked a little bit like this. They took Jesus just as he was and put him in the boat. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. So I want to start off taking a look at verse 31. Jesus says, Let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. You know, they had just finished a great day of ministry. You know, the, the Bible says that they had so many people out that Jesus couldn't stay on the banks anymore, that he had to go and he had to get into the boat and cast out a bit, that his voice could be amplified across the water so that all the people could hear him speak. It was a great day of, of, of speaking truth for the ministry, of discipling his followers. And at the end of that great day, there was still more. And Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. And I would say today that God is asking us, he's calling us individually in our personal situations, and he's calling us as a church. Are you ready to go to the other side? Are you, it's been great. It's been good. You know, I look at Night of Hope. How many of you were here Wednesday for Night of Hope? That was phenomenal. Over 300. It's 300 and like 30 some odd meals served. It was 200 some odd families. Families. And it was phenomenal. But you look at, at the change within our people and, and the pursuit of Christ, the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of his kingdom. You look at all the lives that are being affected for the kingdom. And it's amazing. But I still hear the voice beckoning. We're not, we're not camping out here, sweetie. We're, we're not camp this is good. This is real good. But we're not camping out. It's time for you to come on over to the other side. You see, so often in life, in godliness and ministry, when we get to a place where we have any sort of success are comfortable, we're like, yes, I just want to chill for a while. Because, you know, it paid a price to get here. 
It paid a price whenever you, you handed over your life for salvation. It paid a price when you no longer ran with that old group of friends. It paid a price when you told your family, hey, you know, I know, I know we used to play poker, shoot, you know, the booze, but I met Jesus and I don't find that fun anymore. We pay a price for whatever it is we do for the kingdom. But once we arrive somewhere, it's not for the place of staying. Because all that stuff that we've done to get where we are is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And he's asking so much more of us. That doesn't mean that you're going to camp out at the church and you're going to be here six days a week, 12 hours a day, and you're going to quit your job. It doesn't mean any of that, but he's asking more in here. He's asking more in here. He's asking more in here. Less of me, Lord, and more of you. Less of my own desires, oh God, and more of you. Less of my own selfishness and more of your compassion. Would you come on over to the other side? Those things that, that got us where we are today are just the minimum of what's going to sustain us for the days to come. Just the minimum. You know, what was our prayer for the church that God gave us? In January, expand us, oh God. Expand our capacity to worship you. Expand our capacity to know you. That expansion has expanded us and allowed our hearts to welcome this city like never before. Oh, but we've done outreaches. I, let me tell you, I've done outreaches for a long time. And I've never seen an outreach like this where it doesn't matter what room you walk into, the church people are genuinely giving Jesus. It's not just serving a meal. It's not just driving a bus. It's, hey, come on in. We've got something special for you today. Hey, what can I pray with? There is something special that God is doing in our people. In our, so we can have done outreach in the past, but nothing compared to what he's doing right now. He's expanded us and given us the capacity to love in new ways, but he's calling us to the other side. Are we ready to walk with him? Oftentimes when you attempt to do anything significant for the Lord, nine times out of ten you're going to face what? Opposition. Opposition. This should not produce fear, but should equip the believer to not be taken off guard. In other words, if you're ready for opposition to come, when the first person comes along that doesn't quite like you or doesn't quite agree with you, you don't really care. You're like, yep, whatever. Take that hit. Gotcha. I'm good. See, the funny thing is, is years ago, um, what day was that? It was Friday. I did a, uh, my first care group. Um, in New Orleans, I did a Friday night uh, ladies' Bible study, and I guarantee you every Friday something would happen. Every Friday something huge would happen, and it would get me thrown off. It would irritate me. I mean, I would start fleshing out. I'd be late for work. I'd have huge situations at work, and I'm human resources. How many of you know human resources cannot just leave in a situation? I mean, everything would happen, but it was a huge season in my life of God beginning to prepare me as a minister. And so as I stepped out in faith, and you think it's a care group. Oh, no. A care group affects eternities. 
A care group affects families. A care group affects cities. And so as I stepped out in faith and began to lead the group, every opposition would come my way. But it didn't mean that I wasn't supposed to lead the group. It didn't mean that I wasn't good enough. It just meant that the enemy knew what was on the other side. The enemy knew that I was called, chosen, predestined to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if he could just stop me, I wouldn't get to do this. I wouldn't get to love on thousands every single year. Opposition will always come your way when you're facing, when you're doing good things for the Lord. When the Lord's preparing to take you to another place, you might face opposition. How many of you feel like, you know, you've been through life and you, you, you're doing good and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is awesome. Couldn't get any better than this. I didn't know God was so good. And then the phone rings. And then the, the light, you're driving and then the siren lights come on. Thank God. Breaks. Or you open the mail. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, wait a second. Two minutes ago, I was all good. Two minutes ago, I was singing praises. What is this? For me, I can guarantee you, once that one phone call comes, they just keep coming. Then the email comes, then the text comes, the knock at the door comes, and I'm just like, man! When you're on the verge of a breakthrough, opposition always comes. But as a believer, I don't shrink back. As a daughter of the king, I don't shrink back. As an army, a foot soldier in the army of the Lord, I don't shrink back. James 1 tells us, my brethren, count it all joy. There's that joy word. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The testing of our faith produces something. There is a desired outcome for the situation that you're in. There is a desired outcome for where God has us as a church right now. He knew where we were 15 months ago. He knows where we are today. And he knows where we're going to be in a few months. There's a desired outcome that he's trying to get us to. But when we look, when we look at the, at the situation, we get scared. When we look at the situation, we shrink back. But we must keep what? Our eyes on the Lord. We must count it all joy when the trials come. It's like, hey, you come and get me? Come on, let's bring it. Because I know the victory's mine. I know what's on the other side. There's always a desired outcome. Why does the enemy want to stop us from getting there? Because you know what? Jesus just left preaching to the multitudes, but he was on his way to the other side. And he was going to, to set free the man of God or the man with, with legions, legions of demons in him. A Roman legion was over 6,000 foot soldiers strong. The enemy knew that if he could stop Jesus from crossing that sea, he couldn't get to that man. And if he couldn't get to the man, he couldn't set him free. And see, the enemy had used that one man who was tormented. Do I think he had 6,000 demons? I don't know. But obviously he had a lot. He had a lot. And he was using that man to terrorize an entire countryside. 
The Bible says that no one could hold him down. The Bible says that they, would, that they shackled him, that they chained him, but nothing worked. That he would run around and roam the tombs, terrorizing anyone and anything. So you see, Satan was going to lose out. He was going to lose the tool that was, a, that was terrorizing and keeping a whole countryside in fear. God knows what's on the other side. It was Jesus' greatest miracle up to that point that was about to happen. The greatest thing you've ever seen of the Lord in your personal life. The greatest victory. Maybe it's a family member being saved. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough coming for you. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe, who knows? There's a breakthrough for the church. There's a breakthrough for the city of Akron. There's a breakthrough coming for Northeast Ohio. The greatest things that we've seen yet to see are to come. The greatest things. When you face opposition, you can guarantee it's coming. You can guarantee it's coming. So you know what? Let the texts come. Let the emails come. Let the phone calls come and the knocking on the door. Because I'm going to wait and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see Jesus come and meet my situation. I'm going to see my city changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the boats were in the middle of the lake, what began to happen? Let's take a look at verse 37. The Bible says that a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat. You know, Jesus was with a whole boatload of fishermen. That's the only time I can really use that phrase and it'd be right. So I had to sneak it in. But so obviously that was their profession. I think they knew the water. I think they knew the sea. And they had absolutely no anticipation of any kind of storm coming. And oftentimes that's you and I. We're doing the work of the Lord. We're busy about our Father's work. And we're going and we're going. And it always comes when, when we have no idea. No in, it, it's nowhere near in sight. I think it had to have been a beautiful day. A beautiful evening. You probably could look up and no clouds in the sky. And you see all the stars shining, displaying, displaying his beauty. You know, I've been out on a beautiful day in the middle of the country on beautiful, no clouds. I'm talking crystal blue skies and had lightning literally strike at my feet. Why? Because the word of the Lord had come that day. Because he was bringing about change. And I believe it was the same thing in that sea that night. There was not a cloud in the sky. It was a beautiful evening. And they all got in the boat when a great windstorm arose. That, that word arose in the Greek literally means unexpectedly to catch them off guard, to be taken by surprise. When that lightning struck, I was freaked out. I was like, Whoa! I didn't believe it happened. I saw what happened. I saw the ground where it happened. I was, did y'all see that? And from the house, it blew the TV. <laughs> I guess it really did happen. That storm came. It rose suddenly. It caught them off guard. I bet you they were in that boat thinking, man, it's been a long day. Did you see how many people were there? 
I mean, he preached it. Did you understand what he was talking about? I mean, I got it, but did you get it? I mean, could you about imagine what was in that boat, the conversation? And, you know, Jesus is fast asleep. And then, and then all of a sudden they're like, what? What? Where did this come from? This isn't good. This isn't good. And it says that there was a great, a great windstorm. That means mega, massive proportions, mega bills, mega work. We all know what that is. Mega phone. A storm with mega winds. You know, we just had that storm come through that went to Mexico. We're talking huge, massive winds. The word wind in the Greek there means turbid or terribly violent. How many of you have ever been through some, some tough storms like that? You know, tropical storms, tornadoes would be up here, hurricanes would be down south. You know, I've, we used to have hurricane parties, and we would sit outside. My parents had this huge window that looked into the backyard, big oak tree, and then you got fields. So we would have hurricane parties and all sit and watch. When the storm came, we all had to be awake, and we'd watch. You know, there's things flying and trees flying and trash cans in the air. So when we say terrible mega winds, I know I'm Cajun. When we say terrible mega winds, we're not talking just this little storm that came. We're talking about a storm that would come and envelop that vessel. That boat they were in was about 25 feet long. It would have been a wooden boat. It would have been about nine, seven to nine feet wide, and it would have fit about 15 men in it that would have had two sets of oars on each side to row and the sail. So the sail would have been up, and they would have been chilling through the night until the storm came, until the great mega winds would have arose. That sail would have come down. The oarsmen would have got ready to go. But then what begins to happen next? Can we go to verse 37, 38? I'll go to my Bible. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So not only were the winds beginning to blow, but they were blowing so violently that they were coming over the side of the boat. They were beginning to envelop you, envelop those disciples. And I think they knew, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. I, this is the kind of storm Daddy always said to avoid. Can you put that quote up real quick before we go any further? It says, and so it is with us. Things are going great. Smooth sailing ahead. But sometimes the closer we get to a miracle, we encounter an attack. We're faced with the winds of opposition. You know, there's a story we always tell to our Bible college students. And it comes from the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And there was a guy that... <clears throat> had a call in his life, and he went and he joined the seminary, and he was so excited. He was so excited because he felt like now he's arrived, he's somebody. He'd come from a small town and a small youth group, and he heard the call of God, and he had fought much financially and with reputation to get there, and he gets there, and he is ready to fight for his life. But the next four years of seminary were the easiest four years of his Christianity, he had no opposition, he had no difficulties, and he sailed through. 
No difficulties with grades, no difficulties with the, with the preaching. He just sailed right on through. And he gets there to the end, the end, and he's graduation day, and he's one of the speakers, and he begins to share about how the call of God is so evident on his life that it's been such a smooth ride. And after one of the professors went up to him with great fear and trembling and said, you've had no opposition because you're no contest for the devil. You see, when you aren't going to do anything for the kingdom of God, the devil's going to leave you alone. But when you begin to take a stand for the kingdom, when you begin to do your father's work, when you begin to impact the community and the lives around you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you've got a hit out on you from the enemy. I don't fear that enemy, but I'm aware that it's there because I'm doing something for the kingdom of God. So the opposition and the winds coming in our life isn't a bad thing. It's a guaranteed sign that we're right, right where we're supposed to be, right in the Father's arms. So when we take a look at the windstorm, it does not mention any rain. It just says a windstorm. And so these apostles, these disciples could feel the effects of the wind I think, you know, on a, on a, cool, on a cool night, that there was, they were probably smooth sailing and chilling through. When next thing you know, everything changed. The effects of the wind were rocking them to and through. It was loud. They could probably not hear each other. They probably all began to yell and shout. They could feel the effects of the storm coming after them. And they could see the raging sea. They don't know where it comes from. All you can do is feel it's there. But the effects of the storm that's coming begin to rage all around them. The windstorm that had come to overturn their boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and to kill them before they reached the other side was invisible. Oftentimes, the storms in our life are invisible. Oftentimes, the things you can't even put a, a, a finger on it. All of a sudden, you know that everything's going wrong. Where is it coming from? All of a sudden, the person that you counted on the most, the person that you respected the most, all of a sudden, what are you talking about? You're not even making any sense. Who are you? The battle. It's the principalities of the world. It's an invisible battle that we fight. They didn't know where it was coming from. We as believers need to be able to discern between a natural and a supernatural attack in our lives. They might not be able to see the turbulence with their natural eyes, but they could feel the effects of the opposition. They couldn't see where the turbulence of the winds began and what the source was, but they could feel the effects of the, of the, of the storm coming. They could feel the effects of the turbulence. They could feel the effects of the wind. The Bible says in verse 37 that the waves beat into the boat. That beat into comes from a Greek word, and it means to over or to throw. It is as if someone was tossing a ball back and forth. Its implied meaning is that the attacks came one after the other. And water just kept filling their boat. You ever been there? You ever been there and you just think, if I, oh my gosh, if I wake up again tomorrow and it happens again, it's guaranteed when I wake up tomorrow. 
And so where do the disciples find themselves? Bailing water and binding the waves. Bailing the water and binding the waves. Could you imagine in the middle of a storm, the waves, have you ever been in a storm and the wind's coming, and it's constantly beating you, and you're trying to bail out the water? and bail out the water, and you can barely stand, how long do you think before they became exhausted? That's just what we do as believers. The storms come, and we're like, I know what I'm supposed to do. And we begin to bind those waves, and we begin to get on our knees, and we begin to get on the phone and call every prayer warrior we know, and let's do this. And those are good things. But how long before we become exhausted? How long before we just look to the natural of what I, me, 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 and I'm supposed to do? See, that was what Zach was lacking prior to his rolling experience. He knew God, but he didn't get the concept yet of the God-centeredness that the joy within him came from God. And so the disciples exhausted themselves, binding the waves, Bailing the water, binding the waves, bailing the water. You know, this week, Zoe loves to dance. She loves to sing. And every day is Princess Day. And every day is, you want to dance? You want to sing? Mama, come sing. Every day, my little angel. And so this, the other day, we get up, and Leslie's over. And so I'm all excited because Leslie's going to dance and sing, and I'm going to get to do something. <laughs> and... And then it's, Mama, come with us. And so I'm like, all right. Well, I have it worked out because we've been running around, so I didn't work out this week. So I'm like, I'm going to do some squats instead of dance, and she'll think it's cute. So I started out thinking, I'm going to have, like, Leslie's dancing for a while, so I'm thinking I'm in and out of this thing, right? So I start doing squats. I'm like, all right, let's go. we got to go do such and such. No, Mama, dance. So I keep squatting. <laughs> Keep doing the squat. I'm like, whoo, okay, we're done. Let's go play with the toys. No, mama, dance. And so, you know, keep squatting. Well, after a while, it started out as a good idea. But, you know, I think after about 50 or 60 squats in, I was going, oh, dear Lord, I'm going to feel this tomorrow. Same thing in our Christianity. It starts out as a good idea. There was a girl one time in New Orleans, and she was a lovely girl who was very unlovely and liked to cause a lot of drama and was very hateful and spiteful. She found herself in a very depraved situation and had been to church in quite a while, and the Lord spoke to me said, I want you to go love on her, and I want you to commit to her for once a week. And I want you to do this for a minimum of three months. So I go to my pastors and tell them what the Lord says, and they're like, go for it, sister. If you got it, go for it. Walk in the house, and the house is like, Filthy new baby, cats everywhere, and you could about imagine the filth. Okay, let's clean. You want to talk? I'll clean. And I'm vacuuming. Finally get to the baby's room and realize, are there any clothes in the drawer? No. They're all dirty all over this place. And Laura says, you're going to do her laundry. So I start collecting it, put it in the bag. And I said, hey, I'd like to take this, the baby's laundry home today. And as I said that, the Lord said, and every week. And I thought, wow, wow. So you can ask these three, did I not, for the next three months, do this laundry every week? 
and sometimes multiple times a week, whatever the baby needed, because sometimes the baby was sick. Sometimes the baby would spit up. Sometimes they would have accidents. So oftentimes it starts out as a great idea, but it's a long journey. And if it's not God-centered, meaning an idea birthed from the heart of God, kept in the heart of God, done out of the heart of God, it's going to what? Exhaust you. Exhaust you. And then you end up despising the per person. You end up despising the church. Well, look at me and all I've done. Don't you know I've done her laundry every week? It's a laundry. What's the big deal? The disciples could see the symptom, the manifestation of the problem, but they couldn't see the invisible force that was coming against them. They were exhausted. And thankfully, then they remembered, hey, Jesus is in my boat. Jesus is in my boat. Do you have Jesus in your boat? What do I mean by that? I'm going to give you another practical, silly example because that's what I do. Yesterday we go to the Cuyahoga Scenic Trail thing. Railroad. There you go. We go ride the train. And so they tell us you can get off at Hale Farms. And we're like, really? So we, we're Googling it and we're researching it. And so we're going to go to Hale Farms on the way back. We got it all planned out. The woman talks to us about it. She tells us, get the shuttle. You got to get the shuttle. So let us know, and we're going to call and get the shuttle. So when it comes to the time where, where we're ready to go, we tell the guy, hey, we want to get off at Hale Farms. We don't do that. No, no, no. The lady told me when I bought my ticket, and we can do it. And Okay, let me go find out. Okay, come with me. Now sit down right here. Can you call the shuttle? I'm doing that right now. All right, good. We're going to go. We're going to go. Now how far is it from when we get off the train to the farm? Oh, about a quarter mile. Ask the next person, how far is it when we get off the train to the, to the farm? About a quarter mile, but take the shuttle. Did you call the shuttle? Got the shuttle. Okay, I'm good. We, we're doing due diligence. In the kingdom, we do due diligence. We seek counsel, we pray, we have our partners, we read our Bible. But then sometimes the unexpected happens. So we hop off the train, wearing boots. Wearing new shoes, dress shoes, which is why pastor's shoeless today. We've got a two-year-old that hasn't napped yet, and it's like two-something. We get off the train, and there's no shuttle. And I look at the guy, and I said, hey, where's my shuttle? He's like, I don't know. I said, well, well, where do I go? What direction to meet the shuttle? He's like, go that way. And how far before the thing? Quarter mile, I think. I'm like, all right, here we go. So, you know, we got the diaper bag. We got the bag full of the food because we're on the train all day. We got the kid. We got, we got everybody. Let's go. We start walking. I'm like, I don't see a farm. <laughs> so I go ahead and start the, start the thing. I'm going to see how far this thing is. A mile later, we get to the farm. So you got Zoe, homie, homie, you got Zach. My heels. We're not going to talk about us, girl. <laughs> okay, the heels, the new shoes. He was going to break him in on the train because he wasn't going to be walking. So needless to say, that mile to the farm was a little difficult. We got to the farm. We just wanted a snack. We wanted some water. And we didn't know that we were going to have to walk around a huge farm. I know. 
and nothing was open. So we finish, and we head back. And we've asked for the shuttle, but because the train didn't call for the shuttle, the shuttle guy went home. So we had to walk, and, there, and we begged. We begged. I did the baby, like the, 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 the stressed woman with the baby. Please. No, it didn't work. So we have to go back. So we got, we're carrying the, all the bags. Zach's got blisters on his feet. We're cold, and Zoe's exhausted. But I'm hoping we give Zoe some fudge, because she's gonna, she's gonna, it's gonna waken her up, and she's gonna walk. <laughs> Sandy, it didn't work. <laughs> she falls asleep before we ever get off the farm. Mama's carrying her. So we start walking, and we're just going. Mind you, I timed it. So I think it was 26 and a half minutes to get there per as our pace. On our pace back was less than 22. So we were huffing it. We went business. We get there. We bought more water for the, for the truck. Zach walked barefoot. He gets major man points on that one, okay? So we're all talking, and we're like, why was it so much easier? And then we all started talking about our journey. Well, we understood the outcome. We understood what was on the other side. We knew the trail. We knew the path to take to get there. And on that journey, on the way up there, was just complaining. I wonder why they didn't call. I wonder how far this is. They even know what they're doing? I mean, what's their standard operating procedure? <laughs> but how many of you do that with the church? How many of you do that with the church? Come on! But on the way back, I remember holding Zoe, and she's sleeping. And I did not want to wake that child up. She is a trooper. I remember walking, I remember thinking, all right, God, at least we're all in shape. It's not that big of a deal. It could be a lot worse. It could be three miles. I got this. I'm going to get an arm workout. Here we go. One step in front of the other. And then I found myself preaching to myself. I found myself talking through scriptures with the Lord. I found myself being encouraged and exhorted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. And through, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The difference was we knew the outcome. We knew the path to get there, and we invited him on the journey. It was the same mile track, but this time Jesus was a part of it. You might be facing the similar opposition that you faced in the past, but invite Jesus this time. Invite Jesus along. Well, don't you know I prayed and fasted four times over and I did commune? I'm not talking about religious acts. Those things are good. But we need the living God. We need the living God a part of it. When we go to pray, I don't tell him what to do. I invite him to pray through me. When I, he walks into the situation, I don't tell him my desired outcome. I ask him to glorify himself. Those disciples woke Jesus up. It says that they literally resurrected him. They, it's like they abrupt. You ever had cold water poured over you while you were sleeping? It was that kind of wake up. It was like, hey, hey. Bible gives three accounts to how they woke him up. Matthew 8, 25, they said, Lord, save us. Hey, sovereign one, save me. Mark 4, 38 they said, teacher, don't you care? We're perishing. And Luke 8 said, master, master, we're perishing. Same things that we do 
First we go, oh, sovereign God, this was all your plan. It's all your plan. It's okay. Then we go into the teacher. Oh, he's just trying to teach me something, y'all. It's okay. I'm just going through a lesson. And then we get to the point where we're like, Master, you be the boss. Come fix it. Come fix it now, Jesus. Same emotions we all go through. Oh, he's sovereign. It's all good. I had a leader one time tell me, oh, God's sovereign. It's all good. And I thought, you aren't good with that situation. as Girlfriend, do you understand the sovereignty of God? She goes, yeah. I said, tell me what it is. And it was blank. I said, okay, when you figure it out, come back and let's talk. You know how long it was before she was able to come back? Seasoned minister of the gospel, three years. Yeah, he's sovereign. But do you know him? Do you understand his sovereignty? Yeah, he's teaching us something. But are you willing to lay there and bask and say, bring it. Bring the waves. Bring the storms. Because I understand he is master. He is boss. And he works all things according to his good pleasure. Hang with me. What did Jesus do? It says he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. That word rebuked is to humiliate or to scorn, to poke fun at. And so he begins to rebuke the wind, meaning he looked at it and he said, You ever had that situation, which men, you probably haven't unless you're married, but where that woman was so out of control, just beyond herself in like losing it, and she's, Wah! and all you, you're looking at her, like, are you serious? And you had to just go, shh, 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 come here, baby, come here, shh, 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 shh. Same thing Jesus did with the wind. He just looks at, shh, it's okay, shh, 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 shh. Meaning that storm, that thing in our life, is so minute for him. It's not a big thing. For us, it's all the turbulence in the world, and it's got us out of control. But all Jesus had to do was say, shh, shh, baby, shh, shh. It's like when you pat that little baby on the bottom, shh, 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 shh. The wind ceased. The Bible says there was great calm. There was a mega windstorm, which was followed by mega calm. The mega storm in your life means that there's mega breakthrough on the horizon. When the opposition comes, that means that there's a future and a hope on the other side. With great storms come great calm. Great sickness comes great healing. And with financial difficulty comes financial breakthrough. Hang in there. Hang in there and invite Jesus on your boat. Let's fly through these quotes really quick. Their coincidence lay in this, that they had their master with them. That the ship that has Christ in it, though it may be tossed, cannot sink. You can't be overcome. The bush that God has got in it, though it may burn, shall not consume. 
One more. When Christ seems as if he slept in a storm, he is awakened by the prayers of his people. When we know not what to do, our eye must be to him. We may be at our wit's end, but not at our faith's end. While we have such a savior to go to. We got to get to the hem of his garment. We've got to go and sit underneath his banqueting table and even just eat but a bread of his crumb from his bread. We've just got to get to the master. All we got to do is find Jesus. When the storms come in life, you know what we do? We turn off the faucets. I don't start binding and bailing when hell and high waters comes. And let me tell you, it does. It's a regular clockwork occurrence in our lives. We understand it's the life we've been called to. And when it happens, I don't start whining. I don't get on the phone and tell every single person I know in leadership, you got to pray for me. I believe in the prayers of the saints. But let me tell you, one whose prayers I want more than any of yours, I covet the prayers of my Savior, who's always sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me so I want to turn off the faucet and I want to get in the presence of Jesus I want to invite him in my situation and say it's bigger than me it's always bigger than me Lord but you oh God are holy you're sovereign you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords you've defeated it on the cross once and for all and I am not going to succumb to it I'm going to put on Christ I'm going to put on the blood of the lamb I'm going to sit at your feet and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to watch as you bring about the victory oftentimes there's nothing I've got to do but walk through life there's very seldom that he calls me to bind the winds and bail the water most of the time it's in the everyday reading the word the everyday worship the everyday jogging with Zoe and praying in the Holy Ghost that's how we overcome the trial because we know who he is. We begin to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We begin to look to Jesus that all things were created and upheld by the word of his power. So no storm can come against us. No opposition can come against us that can defeat us when we have Christ. When we're found in him. When we're abiding in the lamb. When we've invited Jesus he is Lord over both, both the seen and the unseen. Let's do this last quote as we close. Pastor Grayshaw can come on up. Rick Renner says, Rest assured you will be faced with the unexpected turbulence from time to time. These situations seem to escalate whenever you're right on the edge of breakthrough, as was the case with Jesus that night. But just as that event provided an opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate his power and authority, you need to see those circumstances that come against you as an opportunity to rise up and look to Christ, to put your trust in God's helping power. You know, when the day of Pentecost came, how many were there? 120. How many were there the day before? I don't want to be the person that bails out the day, day before revival starts. I don't want to be the person that bails out the day before the miracle for my family comes. I don't want to be the person that bails out right before my breakthrough. Opposition comes and 
gives us an opportunity to let Jesus show off, to let Jesus show his power, to let Jesus show his loving kindness. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. There's always tears. There's lots and lots of tears. But joy comes in the morning. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives beauty for ashes. Why don't you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. I want to give opportunity today for two things. Maybe you're saying, lady, I don't know this Jesus you keep talking about that could be in my boat. <laughs> I've never really got that, but I think I'm ready to know. I think I'm ready to know this Jesus. Or maybe you're like, yeah, I knew him once upon a time, but it's been a while. And if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we don't want to embarrass you. But if that's you and you want to know this Jesus that can calm the storms of our life, then just slip up your hand right where you are. Thank you, Lord. And now I want to speak to the multitude of us in this room. Maybe the trials of life, maybe opposition has been knocking on your door and you feel like something is blocking you from getting to the other side. I've got good news for you, my friend. The Bible says today, today is the day of salvation. This is the acceptable year of the Lord our God. And if that's you, if you feel like you've been facing opposition for breakthrough in your life, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, maybe it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, whatever it is, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I, wanna, I believe in the supernatural transference of the anointing of God. And I believe that he's going to strengthen you with power and might in your inner man today, in your inner man that you be able to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be able to stand still and believe that you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So if that's you today, I want to invite you up. I want to invite you, if you've been facing opposition and you're ready to stand firm to see your breakthrough come, the altars are open. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.